One, two, one, two, what is this? This is the Isaiah Kid Podcast. How are you guys doing? We're back better than ever. Um, there's definitely no discussion or doubt that we are in football. Like, this is football season. We are in the football season. Um, some new, uh, a lot, some news came out today. Uh, guys, teams getting back into free, getting back into training camp. Um, we had some, a lot of cowboy news with the Allen Hearns cut. Um, and Travis Frederick, the center, all-pro center, coming back to training camp. We had a lot of news. Uh, this is usually around the time where a lot of websites and advanced, pro football advanced, they give us all these top ten lists and rankings. Um, I talked about the quarterbacks a little bit, or I gave you my quarterback list or ranking last week. Uh, so 55, about 55 executives and coaches came up with theirs. Theirs look very similar to mine, and they came up with this tier list. Um, some some similar that I did and that I discussed last podcast, and I just found it very interesting that a lot of what I said and told you guys about the quarterbacks that I see in what tier and different tiers, uh, those same coaches and executives echoed my statements um, on those quarterbacks. But... Let's start with Bill Belichick. Um, And I know, and I want to start with Bill Belichick because Tony Romo was mentioning it and mentioning coaches and talking about coaches and how great Bill is. And Bill is really good. Um, Great. And I look at, so Tony Romo, great. He's great. He's great. He, he. Tony Romo was a good quarterback, but he is even better in the booth. He is really good in the booth. He does a hell of a job. So this guy, Tony Romo, does know what he's talking about. And people that thought he was going to be good didn't see him being this good. He's great. He's great in the booth. He has a lot of years to come in the booth. But he was talking about Bill Belichick. And this made me think about all of the good coaches, all of the great coaches that's in the other sports. And I'm... I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna play a little compare and contrast game when it comes to these coaches and how great they are. Because Bill Belichick, I don't know if you guys have noticed, and it's a lot harder to do in football due to if you like if you win, you get the lowest draft pick. If like depending on how far far you go in the playoffs, you get the lowest draft. You always get the lowest draft picks. So. And you don't, that doesn't mean you always get the best players on the top of the draft, but it is something to say that, hey, every year we have a low draft pick. So, we, uh, we're going to discuss about, we're going to discuss this. Bill Belichick, in the NFL, I don't think there's probably, I don't think there's even a close second to Bill Belichick. I look at, Coach K, Coach K, he's coach, he's great. He's so great that he's been, he he was allowed to coach our Team USA, our men's, our pro basketball, the greatest players on planet Earth, to coach them for 15 years. In those 15 years, Coach K has two Final Four appearances at Duke. Duke, year in, year out, consistently has the best 
recruiting class in the nation just about every year. I think we can all agree that they either get the best player at that at, at the recruiting class or that have the best set of players every recruiting class every recruiting class year in year out. It's no doubt about that and coach K only has two final four appearances in a span of 15 years. And coach K is great. Nick Saban massive talent advantage with all the funds that Alabama reaps, with all the funds that come within the SEC and in the South, and I discussed this weeks ago about how there's a parity issue in college football and how it's so geographical dominant in the South rather than elsewhere or somewhere else like the Pacific Northwest. The SEC rakes, rakes in a lot of money and Alabama does to do the same. With all of these advantages, and then not to mention that Alabama, year in, year out, just like Duke, have the best recruiting class every year, just like Duke, and Saban has, there's a massive talent advantage and gap just about every game Alabama plays in. The, the, The talent isn't equal on the field with Alabama until they play Georgia or Clemson every year. They don't, but the rest of those 11 games, 12 games, they're they're overwhelmingly better than the other team. So with that being said, Nick Saban's 14 and 10 in bowl games. And granted, yes, he's won six national titles, but these last three national titles appearances that he has appeared in, he's lost to them to Clemson. And I might sit here and make the argument that he may very well lose another national title to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. So with all that, the combination of Alabama and Alabama's revenue with the SEC revenue and then with Saban having the number one recruiting class every year, He's 14 and 10 in his bowl games. And I could very well make the argument that he's going to lose this year in the national title game. With that being said, Belichick never has the best talent. With the with the Patriots, there's never uh there's there's never a time where they go into playoff games and they have more talent than the other team. Last year in, against Kansas City, even though they, even though Kansas City didn't have Kareem Hunt, Kansas City was a more ta- they were talent they were more talented than the Patriots. They had more talent than the Patriots, especially offensively. But schematically, it's not even close when it come when it when it comes to Bill Belichick. Schematically, it's not even close. And this this is no this is no like hit against any other NFL coach, but it just shows you the gap that exists right now. And I don't think there's a bigger gap in sports. Bill Belichick has never had the best talent. I think the only exception to this is in 07 where the Patriots probably had the best offensive personnel 
in football. And with that, and with them having that personnel, they went 16-0 and in the regular season. Lost to the Giants in Super Bowl that year, as we all know. I, I, I look at, uh, it's not even close when it comes to schematic and t- schematic thinking and game planning. Look at the Super, look at the Super Bowl from last year. Look at the Super Bowl from last year. Sean McVay is, I mean, we say he's one of the best young coaches in the league, if not the best offensive creative mind. Look at Sean McVay. Sean McVay was severely outcoached, in the, especially in the first half, during the Super Bowl. Severely outcoached. It wasn't even close. It's not even close when it when when it when that game when the game plan they look and we match it up the game plan it wasn't close whatsoever. The Rams made some adjustment adjustments in the second half, but those adjustments clearly weren't good enough. They didn't win the game. New England still won. It wasn't even close. Look at so everybody loved this Cleveland team and everybody telling me Cleveland's gonna do this and do that. Okay, we'll see week eight. Week eight. We have first year, first year rookie coach Freddie Kitchens. We have he. This is his show all tell it all game right here, week eight, and it comes the halfway point of the season. So by this time, the Browns should have figured out the chemistry or whatever issues that they may have. They should fig. They should been figure this groove out. They should figure out their culture. They should have been figure out these these things right now, in week eight. By the time we can come up, they should have these things somewhat almost fin- figured out. He goes, he goes against Bill Belichick. Week 8, Freddie Kitchens. I guarantee you it's not even going to be close. Schematically and game planning wise, it's not even going to be close in the first half. I'm telling you. And that's probably going to be a primetime game that comes on in the afternoon. It's not even going to be close. I guarantee it. If you look at what the Rams... And the Chiefs did last year at the Coliseum. They put they had a thousand yards of all, uh, of combined offense between the two teams. Mahomes throwing touchdowns here. Golf is throwing touchdowns there. A lot of points being put on the board. A lot of points being put on the board. Look at what Bill Belichick and the New England defense did to both of those offenses in the first half. They held both of them to zero points in the first half. They held both of them to under 50 rushing yards in the first half. They shut down Patrick Mahomes, the MVP. They shut down the, the, the they shut down the league's MVP in the first half. They came back with adjustments, but he shut them down. Jerry Goff, Todd Gurley, Rams, Sean McVay, shut him down. There's only been like two exceptions to this with coaching. Andy Reid usually does a good job against Bill Belichick in the regular season. And Tom Coughlin in the Super Bowls. They do a good job. He, they, they, those two guys do a good job with come, going up against Bill Belichick. But look at Freddie Kitchens. Young Freddie Kitchens, first-year head coach Freddie Kitchens, is going to have to go against 
Bill Belichick in week eight. Bill Belichick, after winning his, during his, while he was winning his first Super Bowl, Freddie Kitchens was a running back coach at North Texas. Freddie Kitchens was a running back coach at North Texas while Bill, Bill, while Bill Belichick was winning his first Super Bowl title. Take that. Take that. You look at all the young coaches that Bill goes against or the, uh, the other great coaches, not necessarily young, but all the other great coaches that he goes against, Mike Tomlin, Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, Pete Curl. He, it's, it, those games are not close. Those games, they they're not close. They're not merely close. So, I take an account of that. I'm looking. I'm like, oh boy, it's with Bill Belichick. Is there is there like as far as coaching, is there ever been there has has there ever been a such a gap in a sport with coaching and game planning and schematic wise? Has there, has there been such a huge gap? Because I, I gave you the two best coaches in college, Coach K and Saban. I mean, even with Greg Popovich, even though he doesn't have the necessary roster to compete, you guys tell me that the Spurs and Greg Popovich are this and that, but Popovich hasn't made it back to the conference finals, lost in the first round last year, hasn't won a title while dunking. And yeah, Brady has. I mean, Belichick hasn't won a title while well, Brady, but still, in football, it's much harder to con- to maintain a dynasty. So, it it just speaks to the greatness of Bill Belichick. Uh, I mean, uh, I was I was reading an article or on Bill Belichick, and this show and this they were just saying how intelligent he is and how open minded he is. Um, his parents was v- very curriculum based was into education, so maybe that has helped him and propelled him to be such a great coach because of his tutelage, his tutelage at home. That's why I say it always starts at home. <laughs> but maybe that's why he's so serious most times when you see him, and he's very intellectual because it came from home. His parents are very intellectuals, intellectual. So, it just it's, he's a product of where he comes from. Um, Bill Belichick, uh, I, like I'm looking at this Week Eight matchup with Freddie Kitchens. It's not even gonna be close as far as with game planning. It, it they better come out with something real super fishy. I mean, because it's not even gonna be close. It's not even gonna be close when 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 these two teams clash in Week Eight. Saban's fourteen and ten in bowl games. Coach K is he's gotten the two Final Fours in fifteen years. Those probably those are probably two collegiate legends uh, with massive talent advantages at that. Not to mind you that not to mind you all the revenue that Duke brings in. They have the top recruiting class every year. Coach K only gotten the two Final Fours. In the last 15 years. And Saban. He's going to be one in three. In national title games. Over the next four years. 
if Clemson beats Alabama this year, and I think they will. Bill Belichick, coming off his sixth Super Bowl title, who who's smarter? <laughs> who's smarter? Uh, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. We're going to move on to Odell and his comments and his GQ interview. So, yeah. Okay, so I mentioned Odell Beckham and his quotes and his comments. I told you guys we were going to discuss that. Um, so he had an interview, recent interview with GQ. It's big. It's all over the news right now. Um, it's over all over social media, sports, all that, entertainment, and, and all of that. Um, so it's clear that Odell wants it's that's been obvious for years now. I think it's he he wants to have a global presence, a global dominance. He wants to keep on building his global brand. Um, before these moves were made and these moves took place with the Browns, the Browns needed offensive linemen. They needed especially tackles. They needed the they needed to fill or replace both tackles, the right and left. Um, so it was just I found it quite interesting that they acquired another receiver. Um, they acquired running backs, but that wasn't. Uh, need necessarily those were already strengths and this is going to tie me back back this is going to tie me back to Odell Beckham but usually when the team like Dodgers need the Dodgers Los Angeles Dodgers right now need bullpen help if they have good they have some solid starters if they can get bullpen help Dodgers probably World Series favorites so with the Browns, I thought with them, and if they could get some O line, they can get or fill in a couple, at least a couple of your O line pieces. Not, not fill and try to fulfill all of your O line, but if you could at least get fill those two tackle positions that you desperately needed, I thought that would be a good look. I mean, the Browns are obviously in a good position right now, but uh, this recent Odell. Beckham um interview with GQ it just it 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 que- I have my questions and I'm very eerie of how long can this Browns and Cleveland thing work out due to the fact and he seems pretty happy and he seems like this is where he wants to be and due to the fact that I say that or what makes me have these eerie feelings or icky feelings about Odell's future is because he lists all of the milestone off the field accomplishments, the social media accomplishments, the global brand. He wants all of that. And he plus on the field accomplishments such as uh the Jerry Rice receiving yardage record. And some of these things are probably not attainable due to his team that he's on right now. Uh Jarvis Landry, his best or his friend, best friend, is a premier wide receiver in the league. No, he isn't Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones or Elder Beckham, but I mean, he's definitely a top ten. He's probably most would say he's some would say he's probably a top ten receiver in this league. So he's a he's a guy that averages about ninety catches a game a, a season. He's a ninety catch guy. So. I don't know how these goals are attainable 
with l- l- given the circumstances and the team and the roster that's constructed around Odell Beckham, and that that's what makes me wonder if like is this thing gonna really work out because you know they're friends and they're buddies and all, but Odell clearly has a goal set. He clearly knows what he wants. He's his. I think his biggest focus. I, I think he wants to win, but I think his biggest focus, as far as individual goals, are to break those records, such as the Jerry Rice records and the all-time leading touch. Like he he wants those records, and he wants the global uh, attention that he has received, and he wants that to even grow even more. And he wants his brand to grow. But I don't know if these things are accomplished on this roster that they have right now. You got Jarvis Landry. You got one of the best young tight ends in Najoku. You got running backs. You, Baker, you have a lot of egos, a lot of talented players. A lot, and they don't even have to be egos. They can be egoless. You just have a lot of talent and one ball to go around. That's why you know the 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 Harden Westbrook thing. Hey, they're friends and all, but when it's time for that triple double watch and guys looking for those numbers, that stuff might change. So with this Odell thing and this Jarvis Landry, Odell wanting to pursue and accomplish individual stats. I don't know. I don't know how attainable and how. Like, I don't know how he can reach these goals or milestones that he has put for himself. And don't get me wrong, it's good that he has these goals. I'm 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 into the goal setting business and speaking your existence, speaking your future in existence, I'm all for that. But you gotta be realistic. <laughs> it, it has to be a attainable or reachable goal. It has to be that. It has to be that. So I mean, with Odell, he, he you gotta, you gotta. I don't know how this thing works out long term, and I think it works the first few years, but long term, I don't know how this thing plays out long term wise. I still gotta see and evaluate how this is gonna work. But this can now lead us into. Uh, our Baker and Mahomes, Chiefs and Browns conversation that I wanted to have was as well. Brett Favre had made some statements about how Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, he sees similarities in their games similar to himself. And I think he's absolutely right. I think Brett Favre is absolutely right. Uh, I see a lot of Baker and Brett, I see a lot of Brett Favre and Baker Mayfield, and I see a lot of Brett Favre, young Brett Favre, and Patrick Mahomes with the throwing and the ego, and with, with the ego with Patrick with um Baker Mayfield and the the grit and the want to more of the throwing ability and what Mahomes brings to the field. I see more with Brett, and this brings me to who who is going to see the most success? Who's going to be the most successful this year? The Browns or the Chiefs, Mahomes or Patrick, or Mahomes or Baker Mayfield. Um, we can start with the Browns. The Browns. I don't think the Browns will be better than the Chiefs this year. I think the Chiefs. They play in a regular, a regular, a relatively, I wouldn't say easy division, but 
I think we can all agree that the Chiefs are head and shoulders above, and it's above especially the Raiders and the Broncos. They're probably not. It's probably not that much of a disparity between or gap between the Chiefs and the Chargers, but I would still give the Chiefs the edge um, due to the Chargers situation, how they fare and play down the stretch, and when it comes to winning the division, it seems like um, so. I take an account of that. They play in a much easier uh, division. Uh, I look at the AFC North. AFC North, even though Pittsburgh lost Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, I still think they're. Gonna, I still think Pittsburgh have enough weapons. They're talented enough. They got better on defense. I think they're going to be much. I think they're going to be more reliant on a little bit more defense. Um, but I think that's perfect timing because they may. I like the picks that they have made on their defense. They made some strides on defense last year as the year wind down. Um so I think they're gonna be a little bit more reliant on their defense. They got James Conner. He's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not L Bell, but he is a represent running back where he scored thirteen I think twelve, thirteen touchdowns last year in thirteen games. So he has shown you that he he can play in this league. And they still have Juju, James Washington. They still got they um the tight end. They still got pieces to put around Big Ben Roethlisberger, and it's Big Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. I think the I think the Steelers would do be just fine. And then the Ravens. I gotta see how off, offensively. I have my questions about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. How effective can they be with with Lamar Jackson's limited passing or limited throwing ability and how how accurate is he going to be like how how diverse is the offense going to be is it going to be predictable is it going to be a lot of run heavy is it going to, I got to see I got to see what comes out of that but defensively with with Baltimore I have no worries they they're usually tops in defense and defensive ratings and defensive stats so the Ravens they're going to play good defense they're going to that's their thing that's been their motto since their existence they're going to play good defense but offensively I have to see what they do with uh with the kid I got to see what they do with Lamar Jackson I got to see has he improved as a thrower uh the mechanics are they still out of whack at times is the is it going to be run heavy is it going to be predictable I still got to see those things, but given all of that with Baltimore's offense, I still think Cleveland play in a tougher division than um, the Kansas City Chiefs. I still think Kansas City play in an easier division. So I look at, I take an account of that, and Kansas City they didn't they didn't bring back Kareem Hunt due to the off the field issues and those allegations, but they got. Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill is not expected to be. He's expected to be playing, and no expansion is probably gonna is. They're expecting no expansion to come upon him. You bring back Travis Frederick. You still got Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes. You're good. Um, I do worry about the Chiefs defensively. Uh, I don't know who they're gonna be able to stop next year. Uh, they lost their two best pass rushers in D Ford and Justin Houston. And that was the if you look if you had to pick out a strong point in the Chiefs defense because it was that bad, if you had to pick one, it would probably be the defensive line and how dominant and how quick they can get to the to the quarterback. And nowadays with defenses, you usually it's not so much about the back end, but 
You usually gotta have a, either a good front seven or some guys on the some DBs that can lock up a receiver or two, and they don't have that. Um, they didn't replace those positions. They didn't replace D Ford or Justin Houston with nobody. Maybe they surprise us and they come back better um, on defense, but schematically, uh, in today's game, defensively. You need you often you probably would need somebody that can get to the quarterback, even within your front seven, or you gotta have some DBs that can stick some guys for a period of time. And the Chiefs don't have that, so I do worry about them defensively. But I think their offense will be so potent enough, and Patrick Mahomes with Travis uh, Travis uh, Kelsey. Along with Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid, mastermind, I think they will be good enough and represent enough and explosive enough offensively where they can overcome some of those defensive matchups and problems that they may face um, with most teams. Now, when they come in, when they run into a, a, like an elite quarterback like Andrew Luck or Brady or like, they may have some trouble. But I think. I think against just um, just mediocre teams or the rest of the league, I think the Chiefs will be able to outscore them. And I see the Chiefs going 11 and 5, 12 and 4 this year. I, I can I can see them going 11 and 5, 12 and 4 this year. Um, that's just an early prediction. I do have the right to change my prediction as the season approaches, um, barring any injuries. But barring any injuries, I think the Chiefs are 11 and 5, 12 and 4 team, and they'll probably be a, a one or two. Seed where they can get one one or two playoff games at home at Arrowhead. So that's where I see it. Uh, the Browns, I, like I told you, I think I mentioned it episode f- five. I think it was something like that where I discussed the Browns hype and how how much hype is going into the Browns season next year um, with Baker and he he's doing the doing the most talking. You talking about a quarterback or what player has the most to prove Baker Mayfield with all the talking he's doing and all the chattering he's doing and you usually don't hear this from quarterbacks or your quarterback you usually get this from other positions but Baker's doing a lot of chatter and he's gonna have to he's gonna have to really back it up like he's gonna have to have a great year and there can't be no excuses if he doesn't if he doesn't do that if he shows up short or below that he he He's going to be crucified. He's going to be crucified. I know I'm going to be on top of him. I, I know I'm going to be on top of him. I I think Baker better show up and play every week because I'm going to be on top of him. The media is going to be on top of him just based off all the things that he has said this offseason. Um, I think with the Browns hype, I got to like, 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 here we go once again. I'm going to give you guys something here. When have we ever saw like that diva wide receiver or that like egotistical wide receiver win championships? Like, and it's 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 definitely. I'm not saying that. I th- and I always I always say this. I if I'm constructing a football team, I want to build from the inside out. I want so that means I want to build my O line first. I want to put the represent pieces around my quarterback. I want to be able to make sure I can protect my quarterback because that's important. I think that's the most important. But I feel is that those like premier or 
diva wide receivers, quote unquote, are the icing. They're the icing. They're the icing to the cake. You don't really need it. And it, these last few Super Bowl winners have proved that the Eagles, the Eagles' number one wide receiver, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey, he's no bum. He's no scrub. But he isn't in the. He's not in the class with DeAndre Hopkins and Odell and Antonio Brown and those guys. He's certainly not in that class. But he's still manageable enough and good enough where he's reliable. But he's not a diva wide receiver. He's not in that top tier class. The Patriots they they've won without that diva wide receiver quote unquote. And when they had that type of receiver. They lost in the Super Bowl. Randy Moss in 07. They lost in the Super Bowl. So it just it just goes to show you that guys like T.O., Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, those guys don't, you don't necessarily need those guys to win titles. With the Cowboys, they didn't, they didn't need a Antonio Brown. They just needed somebody that can get open and create space, and that was good enough. Amari Cooper does that. So with the Browns, I don't, like, they got two of those type of guys. Two of those, like, Diva, quote-unquote, wide receivers that need the ball, that wants the ball, that wants his t- that they want their touches. And that that has proven in the league that that doesn't necessarily win all the time. You, or you don't need that to win a Super Bowl. You don't need that. You don't need that go-to diva, top, t- top three, top five wide receiver to win. So I, I, look, at th- I look at the combination of that. I look at the combination. I don't know why people are not talking about it, but I look at the first-year head coach, Freddie Kitchens. I mentioned it the second before. Freddie Kitchens is going to—he's going to have a lot of experience to do on the fly. He was only a off—he was only an OC, an offensive coordinator for a half a year. Then he gets his first coaching job, like right, I, like kind of moving pretty quickly. His career is moving pretty quickly. I guess you got to start somewhere, of course, but I'm looking. I'm like, oh, boy, yikes. I don't know if he can manage this. And then you take into account, I'm not even talking about, I was talking about the schematic things and game planning wise and how he got to learn how to make adjustments to, um, in the second half. He got to learn how to do this and that. But then he also got to manage that locker room with a lot of talent and a lot of guys that are expressive. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, uh, Baker Mayfield, like, and these are all his top guys. So he has to, he he's gonna have to have he's gonna do he's gonna be doing a lot of maturing this season uh, on the fly on the run because it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, and the Browns have a tough first half of the season. September, October, they're gonna. I'm not gonna say they're gonna struggle, but there's a couple games. There's a few games, several games where they could they could lose those games, and with them losing those games, they will have to be careful going down the stretch, November and from Thanksgiving on. They will have to be careful, but luckily, it gets easier as November approaches, and that's when I think you will start to see the ups. And the highlights of the Browns season. So I take an account of all that. I think the Chiefs are going to have a better year than the Chiefs, than the Browns this year. I think I think they're going to see more regular season success and more and more postseason success in the Browns this year. Um, now, as that 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 can I could be wrong, but 
given all the things that I just told you, I think the Bron- I think the Chiefs has everything in their favor. They got the better coach. They got the better quarterback. Um, I don't know if they have the better roster. Probably, probably not because the Browns are, they're they're talented defensively, but the Chiefs aren't. Like I discussed, but I think the Chiefs will be so good offensively and so potent that I think they'll be able to overcome that in most games. I think they'll be able to overcome their defense in most games. And who's to say that defense won't improve? Um, you know, who's to say who's to say it won't improve? Who's to say it won't improve? So I give you guys that. Um, we can discuss that list that came out. It's a lot of lists that come out in NFL Network and ESPN. They give us these bogus lists about how they're ranking their quarterbacks and receivers and the coaches. They give us these bogus lists. I don't really pay much attention to those. I make my own lists, like I showed, like I told you guys um, on the previous episode. I came up with that list and how I did that. Um, so I don't even listen to those bogus lists that they come up with. But the Athletic came up with a list that looks respectable and very similar to mine's um they did it by tier by tier it was by four tiers and the first tier really consists of what i said and what i based my first tier off of as well quarter elite quarterbacks that are good enough to win every every other sunday every sunday every going into sunday every sunday even if their backs against the wall or your backs against the wall and on the road that quarterback's play can propel your team to victory. And that was basically, in that list that I came up with, with Mahomes, Brady, not in this order, but Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers, Luck, um, Car- I mean, not Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, they, um, Wilson, Andrew Luck, and they added Roethlisberger, Breeze, and Rivers. I agree, I have no problem with that. I did mine by tier, though, with the pay raise, but with the pay scale, but... I get what they were doing. Um, I agree with that list. No, 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 no discuss, no discussion from here. No argument here because that was the list that I had said and mentioned. Um, tier two, just about the same, with Matt Ryan and Deshaun Watson and Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Now I had and I had a, and I said this previous episode. I had an asterisk next to Carson Wentz because and. It's similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, too. I'm going to get to Garoppolo, though. But it's similar to Garoppolo. We just haven't seen enough tape where Carson Wentz has been on the field and he can show us that he is he can lead his roster or his team to victory despite anything that goes the Eagles' way or that don't go their way. He hasn't been on the field to show us that due to his health. So... I think once Wentz continues to evolve and he can prayerfully stay healthy, I think he'll be in that tier one class because I think he has the t- like I said I think he has the like I said yesterday I think he has the talent. I first I know he has the talent to be in tier one, so um, I, I I like to see that transition. Um, I think they had Baker in that tier two. I'm fine with that as well. They did have Baker. They had Baker, Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, Watson, and Golf, and Matt Ryan in that. Not Mahomes. Scratch out Mahomes. Mahomes in tier one. 
Matt Ryan, Wentz, Stafford, Watson, Golf, Mayfield, Patrick Baker Mayfield in that tier two class, and I agree with that. And that tier two class is usually, like I said, B plus quarterbacks, not really A plus guys, but guys that could sometimes do with do what those tier one guys do. Some 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 Sundays they can carry their team to victory with a good passive performance. I see it every now and then with Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. I see it every now and then with Jared Goff. I started seeing it now with Jared Goff last year. I think I think Baker Mayfield will do the same. Um or I think he's in that same he's just about in that same class. I have no disagreeing with that. Now with tier three, here's where it gets a little interesting. Um it rounded off with God. It rounded with, with started off with Newton, Kirk Cousins, Dak, Jimmy Garoppolo, those those, those type of guys. Joe Flat, Joe Fluco, Alex Alex Smith. Those guys were in that tier three class, and I agree with that. Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, they was in that lower tier three. But those first few guys that I named were at the top of tier three, and I agree. Uh, and I've been saying this about Cam Newton for a long time. He had a, he had one MVP season. You take his best season, you take his worst season. Cam Newton's about a tier three quarterback, and that's just about what he is. Until he can show me that he can use that arm of his, because he has a nice, he has good arm talent. But as far as accuracy and pinpointing and consistency with his arm, I would he's he would remain in that tier three. He'll remain in that tier three. I've been saying that for a long time with Cam Newton too. But people think I'm crazy anytime I say it. But he, but he is a fan favorite. But I mean, therefore you have to, you have to show up. And I, I just gotta see more from him, um, more seasons like that MVP type season that Cam had in 2015, 2016, one of those years where he had that type of season. I gotta see more of that from Cam uh, and Garoppolo. Same thing with Garoppolo. I think the same like. He has to show he has he, he he played eight games for San Francisco and New England. He's six and two in those games, but that's just not enough. It's not enough tape where you can actually sit down and say, "Oh, okay, this guy's tier one, tier two. And I think Garoppolo here. I think once he become, he's healthy next year, this year, I think he'll be in that tier two class with the golf and Deshaun Watson and um. Carson Wentz and Max, he'll be in that tier two class, but he has to. He just clearly has to give me. He has to give us at least a full season of tape where we can say, okay, this guy is clearly a tier two guy. Say, um, with Sam Darnold also as well, because you know I'm a, I'm some of us. I'm a Sam Darnold fan, and I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna play a little bit better this year, but I think tier three is appropriate right now. Because I look at what the Jets had last year, their pieces that they put around Sam Donald was just god awful. It was, it was, it was awful. It would just make you want to puke. Offensive line is terrible. Running backs are horrible. No really, no explosive playmakers other than Robbie Robbie Anderson. So I look at that roster or the offensive personnel that Sam Donald had. It was, it was horrible, and he still played pretty decent for a rookie. So I think Baker rightfully is in that tier two class due to the fact that he has a little bit more. To, he's a lot more now to work with. But with the Jets getting Le'Veon, I think 
Baker, I think Donna would soon, somewhere in his career here, make that next step to tier two. Um, and then tier four contained like Case Keenum and Lamar Jackson, guys that are unproven or guys that are just career backups. Um, and it's just not enough tape on Lamar. We got to see how accurate he becomes, um, his passing mechanics. We got to see how his throwing mechanics are or how they, how have they come along over the summer, uh, to really truly evaluate him because right now he's just a runner. He's just a runner and he can, he's a guy that can give you a couple play action passes here and there, but he isn't a guy that's going to, that, that can throw the ball on third and nine or third and 10, third and long situations where everybody and their grandmother know that you have to throw the football. He's good on his own time when his, he can make his, he's on the run, he's he can on his feet, he can do all that active stuff. But when it's in the pocket, third and long, can you make the, the throws in the tight windows to convert first downs? I have to see that. And I think it will be... It'll be a while, and it got, it's going to take some progression. It's going to take some progression and some steps where Lamar Jackson has to take to even get to that level, if he does. And then it is Case Cam and um, Ryan Tan and Josh Rosen, guys like that, guys like that. So, and I agree, like I said, my list that I gave you guys yesterday, totally on point. I'm on. It's it's just about spot on with today's list that came out with the athletic. The athletics do a good job. Um, I'm glad they didn't come up with no bogus lists like the NFL usually does or ESPN usually does. Um, so this is just the beginning of our football talks that we're going to have. Um, these last few episodes have been a little bit short, sweet and short. That's sometimes the best. Um, we're going to be we we're going to go all in as the football as football season approaches. Uh, I can't wait. I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm just excited giving you guys this little news with the quarterback situation and the team. I, I I'm just excited with that. Bill, but I'm excited with that. So I, I know you guys can't wait for college football, NFL on Sundays. You're getting all this good football. I can't wait. So thank you guys for listening. Um, this is a good episode. We're gonna come back with better, with more. Uh, we only gonna go up. Thank you guys for listening once again. And I'm out, man.